Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thine holy name, Jesus Christ. Your name is above every name. We praise thee, O Lord. We worship thee, O Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, dear Jesus. We praise thee, O God. We bless thee, O King. Thank God and thank God and thank God and thank God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I give you praise, Holy Lord. I give you praise, my Father. I give you praise, Holy God. Great is our God, holy is our God, mighty is our God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Holy God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, mighty King, Lord of glory, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And everybody said praise the Lord. Let's give God a big hand together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God. I feel such a good spirit here tonight. And uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't feel like we really got done there, to tell you the truth. But uh, I'm going to take a look here at the book for a minute. The book of Genesis, the first book. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're a great God, mighty and great. Okay, whoever needs to turn it off, turn it off, because I'm talking. We don't need anybody else talking. Thank God. All right. We're in Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. And uh, going, we can give some backdrop, so let's just read the verse. Verse 16. Genesis 41 and 16. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. Well, man, that's a good thing to know, isn't it? It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. I want to minister for a little while tonight on God has your answer. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. I'm reading from Daniel chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom an hundred and twenty princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. Now, men, where do you fit into the kingdom? Hmm? God's looking for men that he can set over certain business in the church, in the kingdom. So you better be thinking about that. Don't be wiling away and wasting away uh, your life. Remember, the Bible said... Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. That's what these training times are for now, this growing up time now. And if you're feeling all that, well, then remember, Paul said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. So you begin to put the childish things and the childish rebellion aside in a way and put it under your feet and under the blood and grow up in God and say, I want to be a prince. And don't you know that's what... Uh, Jacob's name got changed to Israel after he wrestled with the angel all night long. And his name was changed to Israel, which meant that he now was a prince who had found favor with God on earth. 
Amen. For you to become a prince in the kingdom of God and that you have the Holy Ghost. You have power in your heart and in your life to cast out devils, to cure the sick and many other wondrous things that you just need to have faith in what God wants to do with you. Amen. 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 And over these three presidents, so we got 120 princes. Now we got three presidents over the 120 princes. God's got a system. And over these three princes, three, three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give account unto them, and the king should have no damage. Now, you don't want to hurt God, now, do you? You don't want to damage the work of God. You must, therefore, be accountable. You must answer to someone. You hear me? You must answer to someone. These young men, they were even carried away captive, and they learned to bloom where they were planted that Jeremiah had been used of God and told them that they were going to be carried away for 70 years. And don't you know that there were spirits that rose up and tried to get them not to believe the word of the Lord? It would have been, they felt, the enemy worked on it. And he said it would be so much easier if you just stay here and, and just everything will be fine. And God was telling the prophet everything's not going to be fine if they stay there. They've got to go and put in the 70 years and then I'll clear the way for the return. I want you to know something. God knows what he's doing. One dear sister said he knows how to run his business. And you never, you know, it's not the way you see it. It's the way God says it. Amen. God's got your answer. I've had people come and say they want to talk to me. And you know, they were very honest about that because they just wanted to talk. <laughs> Nonstop. They didn't want an answer. They, they, didn't, they didn't want to hear how to handle the problem. You know, they just wanted to talk. They just wanted to unload. They just wanted to, well, one little boy said he wanted to be a truck backer-upper when he got older. And they'd just back their truck up and they'd just dump and unload all of their, you know, and, and that was it. They were all done with that, and it's time to go now. Out the door they go. Answer wasn't what they were interested in. I hope tonight that you're interested in the answer to your problem. I hope that you want to have God's answer because God has your answer. And the thing true is that God has entrusted in every one of you the answer for a lost and a dying city that we live in. You hear me? I want you to know that Patrick, <clears throat> he loves his wife. He better. I'll beat the dog at him. But uh, I don't think there's any, any doubt about that. And he said that he worked extra hard and he saved some money, and he, he bought her a computer for Christmas. And, uh, you know, the first thing she did was get on Facebook. And after that, it was Pinterest. And then it was Instagram. And then it was, you know, no, no, no. See, that's not what she did. She took that computer and she put together a beautiful presentation of this church and this program built around the reach of 2011. Now, you know what? If you will use for God what God trusts you with, if you'll use it for the right purpose and the right, then i got no problem with it. Okay? But when you want to use things 
to indulge your flesh and to do the wrong things, then that's when we're going to have a problem. That's why when they told Jesus, they said they tried to tempt him. They tried to catch him in his words. And that's, that's how they spent their lives. Wasn't that silly? Wasting their breath in their body. Wasting the dying brain cells. You know, every day your brain cells are dying. Did you know that? That's why some of them you look so, look so dull. Too many have died. I, I, you might have to pray and, and you might have to in, ingest some fish oil. They claim that's good for your brain cells. I, I think I, I mean, maybe I should go. I fish for people. I hunt for people. But maybe I should go fishing and try to catch a cod or something and drink down his oil. I don't know. But I am telling you this, that you want to use what God has given to you for God. I have a question for you tonight. The Bible said that nobody, that means you and me, everybody, nobody can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate one and love the other. That's the bottom line. It's going to be one or the other. I'm asking you tonight, who do you love? Who do you love? Who do you love? You've got a, a Savior that gave his life for you on the cross. He could have been doing anything. Anything in the earth he could have been doing. What did the Apostle Paul say? Have we not power to lead about a wife? They could have got married. He could have done a lot of things, but he received it of God to live the life the way God dealt him the hand, and that's what he did. I didn't read where he kicked about it or fussed about it or complained about it. I just read where he served God and did it zealously. And he said it was by the grace of God. It wasn't anything of him. It was by the grace of God. There are many things that in the, in the flesh the man Christ Jesus could have done. There's many things that he could have given his life to. But he gave his life for you. And when they, when they pointed ways out, when they point, you ever go down the road and all of a sudden there's a big sign and, and it says detour. Well, there were many detour signs that the enemy set up trying to get Jesus Christ to go in a different direction. And his answer would be, but how then will the scriptures be fulfilled? If I take the easy way out, if I take the fleshy way out, if I take the carnal way out, if I take the way of the flesh out, how then will you be saved? How will these lost and dying, mixed up people be saved? How would that happen? He knew that he alone had the answer. He alone had the key. He alone was the Messiah. He alone was God come in the flesh. And that he alone was appointed as he prayed and said, well, he said, that's uh, a mighty, you know, the Bible said about the cup. Jesus goes, a, a Pharisee besought Jesus to come and have dinner with him. And so Jesus saw an evangelistic opening here, and so he went. And uh, the Pharisee, all full of his religion, and he marveled that Jesus had not washed his hands or his feet. Well, I don't think the feet. I think the hands. Actually, the Pharisee's job was to make sure that Jesus' feet had gotten washed as, the, as Jesus was his guest. But he, he was so busy looking at Jesus' what he thought was Jesus' fault. That's the old moat and the beam, right? And uh, he, he, he saw this little speck in Jesus' life, he thought, and uh, he missed the beam in his own eye. And, boy, that beam was bigger than a telephone pole, let me tell you. 
But um, the Bible said that Jesus said to him, you Pharisees, he said, you make a big fuss and a whole lot to do about the washing of cu cups and pots. And uh, he said, and unfortunately, in doing that, you miss so many other important things. He said, first, you got to clean up what's on the inside of the cup. First, you got to get the inside, what's within, cleaned up. Now, just imagine your cup, and it's shiny, and it's beautiful. And, oh, man, look at that. Wow, that's great, man. That's looking good. Look at that. I like it. That's gleaming. That's shining. But you don't pay attention to what's inside. Puke, snot, mucus, wiggle worms, maggots. Wow. Jesus said, "You're not. You're not paying attention. You're not. You're not paying attention to the heart. You're not paying attention to what's on the inside. How important it is. How important it is to pay attention to what's going on in the heart." Jesus was trying to convey that to this Pharisee who was supposed to be his host and have him for dinner. And then, you know, here comes a, a young girl, young woman, and she comes, and she, her life is so troubled. She needed an answer. She needed divine help. She comes, and she brings the only thing in her life that she feels like is of any value. And she brings an alabaster box, and this precious box had a precious ointment in it and she brought it and she started by cleaning the master's feet with her long hair i told one of the girls tonight i said god gave you your hair for your beauty for your glory it goes beyond fleshly beauty believe me and he gave it to you for your glory and i said you ought to thank god for that every day you ought to be thankful for what god has crowned you with in your life there are many things in your life that you should thank God for that it's easy to take it for granted. There's such a thing as life, strength, good health, things that we could thank God for every day, that you're able to roll out of the bed and you're able to get up and, and you can breathe and, you, and your lungs fill up and your body is being filled with air and feeling alive and ready to go. And you can have... A good attitude. Maybe, maybe you should visit a cancer ward. Maybe you should go see children and people that are, are, have been going through chemo and that the hair has fallen out and that's no respect of person, male or female, and that their skin has turned a sickly color and that they feel sick all the time and that their body is ravaged by cancer. Maybe you should take a look at them and see how they're, they're trying to struggle through everything and, and fighting to live another day, breathe one more breath, and then think about how fortunate you are, what God has done in your life, how that God has been your continual answer every day, and how that Jesus did come, and how that he did give his life on that cross, and how that he took the whipping for you, for by these stripes you were and are healed. He did that for you. He made his grave with the wicked for you. He could have had the finest sepulcher anywhere. 
but he, he made his, his grave with the wicked. And so many other things that were fulfilled in Isaiah 53 that he did for you. Think about the fact that he died for you. He died for you. He did that for you. He did that for you. Let the burden of that touch your heart. Get a hold of some gratitude. Get a hold of it. Put away the childishness of self-will. I want my way. You know, and just throw yourself on the ground and pounding the ground and kicking your feet, wanting to have your way. We've always said that the, the answer to that is to ignore that child. Let them let kick and scream and holler until they run out of breath. And let them learn that that doesn't get any response. If every time they throw a fit and you react to it, well, then they know, well, that works. I know how to get their attention. You've got to teach them that that's not going to work. I'll endure the embarrassment of that terrible attitude so that hopefully they might learn that that's not going to work. Let's, let's employ what works with God. Do you know that lifting your heart with your hands in praise, that works with God? God responds to praise. The Bible teaches he inhabits, he lives. You know, you put your hands up, God comes right down to live between your hands, just like he did those angels on the mercy seat who looked, faces looked one toward another. And how that they were the, the covering cherubs. And I want you to understand that God is looking for you to lift those hands. He's looking for you to praise him. I hope that you don't have to wait till you're sick till something has troubled your life so badly that then maybe, then maybe you'll pay attention to him. Then maybe you'll call on his name. Then maybe you'll lift your heart with your hands. You hear me? I worry. I, I worry that I, <laughs> I actually knew of a woman in the church that I came out of that, um, you know, we all loved her, but she could be a bit daffy. And uh, she told it on herself. Sister Weekly, Weekly will remember. But... Um, she was in, running late for church, and you know how that, I, I know some of you know how, who, how that is, just a little bit, I know that. And um, she, um, in being in haste, and being a little daffy on top of that, she um, reached for the hairspray and used it thinking it was a deodorant. Extra sticky, yeah. extra hold, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, she then proceeded to um, spray her hair with her deodorant. So let's just say she started off church just a little bit mixed up that night. But I want you to know that I worry that some people have mixed up the super glue. And they put the super glue on. And that's why the hands can't go up. Can't get them up. No matter how much the power of God's moving, everybody... And I'm beginning to think that's the problem. You grabbed the super glue. You meant to get secret or something, or brute, whatever the men use, you know, and, and you, you, you got the super glue. You know, it's so much better <laughs> if, we, if we'll just do things decently and in order, if we'll just realize that we need to be accountable. God's got a system set up, and he wants us to be accountable. I'm in Matthew chapter 18. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. Everybody said praise the Lord. 
Can I tell you that it's very important that you remember that God is looking at you and that you're going to have to give an account, okay? You're going to have to give an account. Now, before I move too quickly, let me look at Luke tonight. Luke chapter 16. I'll begin with verse 1. And he said also unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward or a manager or a prince. And the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. I want to ask you something. Is there anybody on this side, these first few rows here, that you're sick tonight? That you feel like maybe you have cancer or diverticulitis or your brain is hemorrhaging? Nobody feels that way. You're pretty healthy. You're pretty strong. You feel like if you hide it, gives you a hard time. You beat that dog out of her. You feel good. Okay. I know. You're going to get it up back in there. Okay. All right. Gentlemen, any of you guys in bad shape tonight? Okay. Good. Good. All right. You're not going to get your messing around. You're going to get them, right? Okay. All right. That's okay. Remember, he may get bigger than you in the long run. I used to tell people that. I said, watch out. That little brother has a way of growing up. All right. So, I'm, I keep telling Joseph that about Benjamin. I said, you better watch out. Ben's feet are bigger than yours were at that age. <laughs> I said, he's going to grow into that stuff. And you're going to be sorry you pushed him around. But uh, what I am saying to you is that the writer said here in Luke 16 and verse 1 that this individual who was supposed to be a prince, supposed to be a, a manager, somebody set over things, somebody being trusted, and said it was accused, he was accused of wasting the king's goods. And one place in the scripture said, to what purpose is this waste? Now think about all that health and strength and life that you have. Think about all the services, all the different things that the church is doing. To what purpose is the waste? To what purpose? Now the king, the king is watching. He's listening. The pastor is giving an account to you. See, you you may feel like, I don't answer nobody. I do whatever I want to do. Huh? Okay. Okay. You think. That's what you think. That's what your carnal mind thinks. Okay. That's what your childish, rebellious mind thinks. But it doesn't reflect reality. Reality is that whether or not you like it or want to admit it, you are accountable. You are accountable. You may not have an attitude of accountability. You may act like you can just do whatever you want, go whatever direction. I can do it if I want. I don't have to do it if I don't want to do it. Blah, blah, blah. Okay? But the word came to the king, and the king said, wasted my goods, huh? What's the purpose of this waste? I have given this life. I've made this tabernacle. I've placed this computer-like brain. You want a computer? You don't need to go to Office Depot. You got one. First, you know, they, I was talking to a lawyer one time, and, and it came up about calculators. They're still, we know what calculators still are, right? Okay, I know life's moving fast here. But um, calculators. And um, I, I said something about it. I said, well, you know, I said, I tell them at our academy that first you learn to use this calculator. And then 
when you learn this how to use this calculator, then you can get the other one. Okay? Because I would hate for you to be 18, 20, 30, or more, and you don't know that 2 times 2 is 4. Because you can't do that in your head. You know? But you, and I had a young man come here, and he was in, trying to be in a business of laying carpet. And he measured with his tape measure the length and the width of the room. And then you got to multiply it together to get the square of the room and whether footage or yardage and uh, usually footage. And, um, and then you have to cube it to get the yardage. And uh, he said, preacher, he said, this room is this much by this much. He said, could you, could you multiply that for me? He said, I, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. Okay, now. I would hate for you to get to that place, that age in life. And, you know, I took that young man, and he, he was in his 20s, and I tested him in math. Fifth grade. Fifth grade level. That was his level. Fifth grade level. Fifth grade level. Now, here, our children are supposed to know their multiplications in the fourth grade level. When they hit the fifth grade level, we're into division. Okay? And... Uh, we do have children. We have a child right now in one of our academies, three years old. Three years old, can already write cursive. Three years old, can already read. You know that? We, we're trying to raise up princes and princesses. We're trying to raise up the king's children. We're trying to help you. And, and it's not so much about natural education as it is about spiritual education that you would know the things that are of God, and you would know the right from the wrong, the bitter from the sweet. You would know the difference between light and darkness. You would know the thing that is to be shunned and, and stayed away from. The Bible teaches you to shun the very appearance of evil. Don't want nothing to do with that. Don't want that. Don't want that. It even said to abstain from the very appearance of evil. Get away from that. Don't want that. Don't want to get drawn into that. And do you know that on the computer that they have ways to just pop up in your computer and, and they sh before you know it, you're seeing something that's very bad. It's being put into your mind just like that. And your mind being a computer, it grasps it and it, it decodes it so quickly. If you, did you step on my foot there? Ow. Boy, my brain got that one fast, didn't it? That's how it is. Those nerves, friend, they send signals. They send signals, and this eye takes in light, and it puts the picture right on my brain. And they know that. They know how that works, and they know all about, and they've studied human behavioral, human behavioral science. They've made a science of it. Of course they have. Because let me tell you, they've already figured out a whole lot of things about the body. Now they want to know more and more and more about the mind. Because they want to control. Satan wants into your mind or your heart. And he and Jesus said, out of the heart is where the issues of life come from. And he said in one place that the heart is deceitfully and desperately wicked. And he wants the enemy wants in there. He wants to, and you see, that's the beauty of this kingdom of God. That when we came to God, when we were drawn to God, that he gave us the knowledge and the revelation, the insight, and we repented of our sins. We got baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. 
and then and him washing us in his blood and then he filled us with the gift of the holy ghost and in that doing in the doing of that experience that kingdom of god coming into our lives it changed you for the good and it cleans up your heart you are given in Holy Ghost innocence. You're, you're the blackboard of your heart. Your mind has been wiped clean or the whiteboard, whatever color you want to call it, has been wiped clean, friend. And you are, you are, your conscience is made right and it gets in agreement with your Holy Ghost and you're free, as the song said. You are free, my friend. There's no more shackles. There's no more chains. You are free from sin. You are free from filth. You are free from garbage. And you've got to maintain who you love. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I thank you for what you've done for me and mine. God expects you, parents, to develop a Holy Ghost home. He expects you to keep it clean. The devil comes back that got casted out. And he gets seven more wicked spirits than himself. And he comes back because he's tired of walking around there having no place. Let me tell you, you're going to get tired without the church. You're going to get tired without the church. I saw a sign, and I took a picture of it for Camila's because I want them to make a replication of it. Only I changed it, of course. And I, and I, it doesn't matter what the sign said, but I'm telling you what the sign's going to say. And it's going to have a big letter that says, Church. And then attached to it will be the sign, there's no place like the church. There's no place like the church. You can't find that anywhere else. You can't find that anywhere else. There's no place like the church. There's no place I want to be except, what did, what did the song say? No place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather be. Fires in my spirit, in my soul. Oh, friend, the Holy Ghost and fire. Man, oh, man purging out, getting rid of all the filth. Isn't that what the prophet said? Mine eyes have seen the king. He said, woe unto me. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. But an angel came swooping in there and took the tongs to that altar and got a coal burning hot and touched his tongue and cleaned him up. And then the devil came and the devil said, I'm not going to let you change. You're going to stay in your filthy, sinful rags. You know, your righteousness is as filthy rags. But God said, oh, no, Satan, I rebuke you. You get out of the way. Give them a clean set of clothes. Give them a fighter on their head, a crown. Give them the glory of God. Give them my spirit. Give them my power. Give them my love. Who do you love? Who do you love? And you can't just say it. You can't just say it. Oh no, you can't just say it. They um they had a where is where is your seat about? Come here. You can have it. Now let me tell you. They were both in theater, and they tried to split them up. It was a communist regime, and they wanted, they wanted the girl, the young lady, the wife, to go against the husband. And she, I don't know, you know, did one of those little pirouette things, spun around over next to him, and when she got there, she just laid her head. And that, thank you. And that was the signal that she said, I'm with him. No matter what you say, no matter what you do. I wonder what you would do to show that you're with him, that you're with the church, you know? There should be things.
things about you and about your life, about the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you act, places you go, places you don't go, that sends strong, strong signals just like that. Strong signals. There was no doubt the grace and the beauty of that pirouette and that laying of the head on the shoulder that was plain. Words didn't need to be spoken. Did you ever read your Bible about there are people that you that are close to you and and uh, like family and and that they can't be one with the word or even a, even a husband or a wife that's not saved in a marriage and that um, they can't be one with the word but they can be one without the word, meaning that there is a a way to show just like the pirouette and the putting of the head. There's a way to show, and there's a way to show people that you don't always have the, uh, I don't want to say have the ability, but have the open door to talk to them and to witness to them that they need to be shown. They need somebody to live the life. They need somebody to act it out. They need somebody to, to show that when the pressure's on, I'm not going that way. I'm not, you want, you're putting pressure on me to go in the wrong direction. I'm not going that way. You want me to live in darkness. I can't. I live in the light. You want me to hang out with this and that and the other? I can't. What fellowship hath light with darkness? I can't, I can't commune with that. I can't fellowship with that. I'm not comfortable around that. I, I, don't, I can't hang, hang around some people because there's nothing for Somebody said you need to keep talking to them. You need to keep open lines of communication. I said, how can I do that? There's nothing in compatibility. We have nothing in common because they chose to go in the wrong direction. I'm going to stay with my family. I'm going to stay with people that I have something in common with. The important things that are in common. Spiritual things, godly things, holy things, righteous things. And knowing, knowing that the king is going to ask me to give an account. He's going to want me to give an account. Everybody said, praise the Lord. He's going to want me to give an account. And he called him. The king called him. And said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account. You're going to have to give an account. Give an account. You have to be accountable of thy stewardship. You're a princess. You're a prince. You're set over certain things in the kingdom of God. And he said, For thou mayest be no longer prince or princess you may no longer be a steward or a manager for me you may be removed from your position to give an account of thyself you know god doesn't always take other people's word for it god has a way of giving the benefit of the doubt god has a way you've read in the bible where there was a, a vineyard and there was a tree and God said to the keeper of the vineyard, he said, uh, I've been coming by here for a couple of years now, and that tree never bears any fruit. He said, uh, why don't you cut it down? Why cumber it the ground with it? And the keeper of the vineyard answered and said, give me one more year. Allow me to fertilize it, work around it. Give me one more year. And then if it doesn't bear fruit, well, then cut it down. It's good to have a pastor. It's good to have somebody that can intercede for you. 
Because I can show you in the Bible where there was another example where Jesus was going by one day with the disciples. And he looked at the tree and he cursed it. And they went on their way. You know, that's a dangerous thing when God puts a curse on you. I've read that in the Bible. He'll curse your blessings. You've got to be careful here. And, uh, but when you get a very cavalier attitude of, I don't have to answer to nobody. I'll do whatever I want. Well, they came back by from their little journey. And when they got opposite where that tree was, the disciples all stopped and they were, Master, you know that tree that you cursed? Jesus was just walking. Yeah. And it withered away and it died. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when you don't show promise of fruit. That tree, it wasn't even time for fruit. But Jesus looked at it and saw that it had no potential. It wasn't trying. Super glue. It wasn't trying. It wasn't getting in with the program. It wasn't showing the right attitude. And so the Lord, there was nobody there to intercede. There was nobody around the tree. There was nobody in that area to say, give me one more year with that tree. Jesus cursed it and withered away and died. Even to the point that things happened that the disciples said, Lord, then who can be saved? <laughs> and the Lord said, well, you know, with, with man, it's impossible. He said, but with God, all things are possible. One place in the scripture said that the apostle said, what mean ye? To break mine heart. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. You don't want to stomp on Jesus' heart. You don't want to stomp on the leadership's heart. You don't want to do that. Because we have to give an account for you. And then you have to give an account for yourself. I'm turning to the book of Romans, chapter 14. I'm hoping that as young adults, young princes and princesses in the making, called to be responsible and to grow up, put away childish things. You know, putting away childish things and growing up does not translate or equal to, I can do whatever I want. Nobody can tell me anymore. I've stepped over the magic threshold of 18. That's what happens when you go over the threshold of 18. You just trip and stumble and fall all over the place, you know. And you find out that, oh, wait a minute. I've got to get a job. I can't go. Mommy, did, did you know that the little girl came home from, from college and she sat on the, on the couch next to her mother? And her mother said, you know, when you were a little girl, just five years old, used to sit here and used to shake the Cheerios box and say, Cheerios, Mommy, Cheerios. <laughs> and the college-bound daughter took the Cheerio box and she said, MasterCard, Mommy, MasterCard. <laughs> oh, how things change. Oh, how people wake up. The Cheerios ain't going to pay, put me in an apartment or, or put me in a car or pay the insurance or the gas or the oil or the maintenance for that car or the new tires that I'm going to need. Because I've been peeling rubber all over town. Oh, God. 
You know, after a while, you pay enough, you know, $400, $500, $600 for those tires. After a while, you quit peeling rubber. You know, you know what an adult thinks when, when somebody goes, we're all thinking, oh, boy, that idiot. He just, he just, he, he's on his way to get another set of tires. My, my, my. And, you know, if mom and dad have got any sense when he comes around or she comes around and says, um, uh, um, I need new tires. And mom and dad say, yeah, well, you better go earn some money and get some then. <laughs> Otherwise, you start walking. Or maybe a bicycle. You know, might break that one out and blow the dust off of it. See how that works. You know? Life lessons. Things that you have to learn. Things that when you magically cross the threshold of 18, you find out that, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. You know? And that you, you, you're trying to figure out how in the world, and, and mom and dad have made it clear that it's time for you to start producing. You don't want to wind up being a cursed tree, no fruit. You know, you got to help out. I used to show the, like a, a, a globe, like you'd put fish in, and I'd say, see the candy? Love that candy. But after a while, you know, keep eating that candy. You know, especially if your name's JL, you know, all that candy's just gone real quick. She came to my office the other day, and no, no, it was Ioni that came in my office the other day. And she said, she just sat there grinning and laughing and grinning and laughing. And finally, I said, girl, what's up? She goes, candy. I said, oh, and I opened the door and gave her candy. Oh, yeah. So between Ioni and, and, uh, and JL, the candy bowl gets empty real quick. And uh, I'd tell him, I would teach him, I'd say, well, you know, we have to put back now. We have to put back. And that's what the program is, you know. We're all putting into this treasury, and we try to step out. We try to start new works, and we try to acquire land, and we try to build a building, and we have done it by the grace of God and the glory of God. It, it's a miracle of God, and it proves that the program works that my pastor got and set in motion. And, uh, and then, but some people don't want to give back. Now that we put it all out, they don't want to give back, you know. Some people don't want to grow up. Some people just always want a, a handout, you know. But but now we're 18. You know, time for you to show that you become an adult, shall we say? And you putting away the childish things, put the hand away or put the hand up, <laughs> you know, and uh, and realize that uh, I can't I can't just uh, live off mom and dad or the pastor's coattails, you know, all my life can't do that somebody needs to find the off button on these phones tonight i'm preaching okay hi okay i have the floor i have the mic and only for a little while you know if you think about it there's not too many hours there's 168 hours in a week and you're not even here 10 percent of that which would be 16.8 hours counting prayer meeting and everything else okay so we have to make the most don't we? We have to make the most of our service. That's why it's so important that you don't miss because it's important to you. And you need to admit that to yourself just like you need to admit, I'm going to have to give an account. I'm going to have to give an account. And the Bible contains, uh, in the book of Romans, I was up to that point, and I wanted to, to bring that to you. In Romans chapter 14, I believe, Verse 12, so then, every one of us 
shall give an account, shall give account of himself to God. That's in your Bible. Just as much as hero Israel, the Lord thy God is one. This is in the Bible too. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Another place said that we all have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Have to give an account. Have to give an account. Ecclesiastes talks about that. Hearing the conclusion of the whole matter. That we're going to have to give an account. But you know, we, we've got something here, church family. We've got something. Young people, we've got something. We've got something. You, you know, I, I don't know how they play these games. I really don't. I don't even want to know. Um, I don't really, you know, want to sit around and push buttons and play games. But uh, I do want to tell you that we have, we have a secret. I'm sure that when you play those games, you're probably looking for something, you know, that's in a treasure box or a room or somewhere, something that you're trying to do or beat up somebody or get victory over somebody or something with some weapon. Um, I want to tell you we've got something. We have an enemy. We have an enemy, okay? And he manifests himself through many different things in this world. But we have something. It's called the blood of the Lamb. We have the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We have the weapons of all warfare, which are mighty through God. We, we, it's, it's one time I remember saying to my pastor uh, on a vacation type thing about playing a game. I think it was Monopoly. But the way we, the Feld's played Monopoly was we didn't build houses, we built churches. That's how we did it. And, um, and he said, well, he said, I'd rather do the real thing. Okay, gotcha, I heard you. So we didn't bother playing that game. We just went ahead and <laughs> helped build another church, and we did. And uh, I thank God for it. And I'm saying to you that, you know, we have to learn to limit our games. We have to learn to watch our time okay i i literally know of marriages that have failed because of games the time spent in in playing the game there is an addictiveness to our nature do you know that there's an addictiveness to our nature we're prone to get addicted and uh i am telling you that one place in the scripture told us what to get addicted to it said get addicted to the ministry that belongs to the princesses and the princes or to the saints it's in your bible get addicted to that let that be your your chief love who do you love who do you love do you love the one that gave his life on the cross for you do you love the one that shed his blood for you and it's a battle every day because there are things that are battling for you and you've got to those things are popping out of everywhere and coming out at you from every angle. And you've got to fight those things off. They're spiritual battles. You've got to fight them off. You've got to grow stronger. And uh, I, I think I remember in the early days, it was probably, you know, one of those really bad, vicious, violent games, you know, Mario Brothers. And I remember the, trying to get me to play, and I said, I'll try, and sitting there going, Trying to make him jump, you know. I'm jumping all over, and they go, you don't have to do that. Just push the button. Go <laughs> Finally, I just said, you know what, I, I think I'll let you play, and I'll, 
I'll go on to some other things right now. And of course, I provided everybody a good, healthy laugh, and I was glad to do that. Laughter doeth good like a medicine, right? Merry heart. So I'm saying to you, though, that I think somewhere in there, or at least one of these games, that if you do certain things right, you increase your power, makes you stronger. Am I right? Okay. Well, how about spiritualizing that? How about there are things that we can do as becoming princes and princesses and stewards and uh, managers in the kingdom of God, things that we can do that will increase our Holy Ghost power, increase God in us, working through us, and that we can, can do the real thing, that we don't have to live in a, in a fantasy world. I read in the paper about a young man <clears throat> that uh, the, when they, they arrested him, and they had put his hands behind his back and handcuffed him, and he had just killed somebody. And he told the police, he said, life ain't nothing but a video game. That's all it is, man. Now, how much reality can you lose? And how much fantasy can overtake your mind? Okay? What kind of mixed-up mind just killed 27 people in Connecticut? They went into a, a building in Colorado, and, and before that, years before that, went into a high school, Columbine, and many other things could be named. What you and I know what happens, that evil spirits find their way in them. If you, the Bible says that the enemy is looking to catch you and is teaching you to catch you in that weak moment so that he comes in and he can take over. But if, if you're too strong for him, if you're too strong to faint, you know, the Bible said if you faint in the day of the battle or adversity, thy strength is small. The Bible, they asked Jesus. Jesus asked them. No, they asked Jesus. They said, increase our faith. He pointed them towards prayer. And he began to teach them to pray. And then another place they said, teach us to pray. Help us to get in there. Learn how to do this and be a part so that we can increase our faith. We can be stronger. Oh, yes, they brought a, uh, an individual, an individual came to Jesus and said, I brought the sick child and said, I besought thy disciples, but they couldn't do anything. And the Bible said that Jesus just lifted up his voice and, and said, how long shall I be with this faithful, faithless generation? He said, bring me the child. And he took care of the situation. And that's when the disciples came and they said, why couldn't we do it? You know, if everything was just easy, snap, 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 like you like, push the button, push the button, push the button, you know. You know, and don't think that I don't know that you don't stay up all night until you conquer that new game that you just had to have. You know, and then go to work bleary-eyed. Go, oh, 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 oh. You know. You know. Okay, now. I'm not all dumb. Okay. Amen. Sometimes the Holy Ghost wakes you up, you know. Holy Ghost, talk to you, tell you about somebody, you get a vibe, you know, you get a little concerned, I'm warning you now, I have to give an account, you better face the fact that by nature you're addicted to things, 
and that you want to get addicted to the good things, the things that will make you stronger. And they said, why couldn't we do that? And Jesus said, because this kind requires prayer and fasting. It's putting in the extra effort, building up yourself on your most holy faith. you got to work out a little bit here. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Everybody said, Praise the Lord. Hebrews, in closing, 13. Hebrews 13. Not preaching anything that we don't all have need of, believe me. 13 and 17. You can stand with me and hold your Bible open if you would. I'll read this, and I hope you will read along with me and let this. As one place, Jesus said, let these sayings or let this scripture sink down into your ears. Verse 17, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. We're not trying to catch you at anything. We're trying to watch out for your life. We're trying to keep you from going in the canal or crashing into a wall or somehow going out of the church. No place like the church. No place like it. You're not going to find it anywhere else. He said, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy. Well, it's a whole lot nicer when I can say, no, God, Destiny's been being a good girl. She hasn't been going around all pouty, giving me that, oh, boy, giving me that Jamaican stuff. No, she hasn't been doing that, Lord. She's been smiling. She's been helping out. Man, she's the best little vacuumer. She takes that little shark of a vacuum. She's all over the place, God. Oh, yeah. Better than, so I could give with joy. I could smile on my face and be happy to tell God, you know. Better than having to say, oh, God, I'll tell you, he's been being a real punk. I'll tell you, he's just driving us nuts. And if you, if you wouldn't mind tweaking him a little bit, I'd really be happy about it, Lord. If you'd just kind of visit him, give him a little cuff behind the head or tweak his ear or something, get his attention, help him to, along with wake up, grow up, That'd be so wonderful, Lord, if we wouldn't be have so much attitude. That they may that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. Okay. First Peter four and five. back up just a little bit. Verse 3, for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. We used to be sinners, you know. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. That's what he's saying. He said we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excesses of different things. In this case, he put wine, reveling. We just reveled 
in the, in the things that were wrong. We, we just thought we were having so much fun. Banqueting, an abominable idolatry. Verse 4, wherefore, they think it's strange. Okay? You know, when they want to they wanna get in your Instagram or they want to get in your Facebook, and they think it's strange when you say no. Well, if you can't say no, then you just better get off completely. If you can't say no to sinners, I want to ask you something. How many of you would have taken phone calls from strangers who wanted to talk to you, make love to you on the phone, and you have no idea who it was or who they are? Huh? You wouldn't do that. But we'll accept them on Facebook, huh? I just can't. I just can't not friend somebody. You wimp, then get off. Don't have one if you can't say no. My word. You're showing that you're not responsible enough. You got some pervert following you through Instagram or something or kick or whatever. God knows what new name's coming out tonight, what new social media. Everything that you need socially is in the church. You need to be right here. You need to be excited about what's going on here. You need to be a part of this. Okay? I'm going to fix you all. Some of you young people, you call and say, what are you doing tonight for you? So you can decide whether or not to come. We're going to tell you that we're peeling potatoes and washing the floors. But when you don't come, we're going to be done with that job, and we're going to take off for the the boomers or something. And you're going to miss it. And that's a promise from me. You're going to miss it. Okay? I'm not going to play your games. You're going to be there through it all, every bit of it. Wherein they think it's strange. Oh, yeah, people are going to think it's strange. Now, you go hanging around the wrong people, they're sure enough going to think it's strange that you're not wearing pants and jeans and cut-off shorts with your hoochie mamas hanging out and everything else. They want to train you to be a hoe. Don't you know that? That's what they're doing. If you you want to be a hoe so bad, I'll send you to the gardening department, and you can get one and get out there and get the weeds out. Do something productive. Do something helpful. Wherein they think it's strange that ye run not with them. That's right. We're not running with them. We're not a part of them. We're in the church. In the church, that prodigal son, he looked at his father and he said, give me what's mine. Boy, he should have got a slap down right then. Aren't you glad I'm not God? Bam! Just beat him down. (laughs) I got to warn you, Dre. I told your dad not too long ago. I said, somebody said, I think Dre thinks he's getting to the place he can take you. He went, huh. I thought, oh, boy. (laughs) Don't think like that. Don't think like that. Live long. Don't think like that. Amen. And uh, so I am saying to you that it's very important. This son, give me what's mine. I'm 18. So he took his early leave, early buyout, headed down the road. He did rant and run to 
excess of riots. He wasted everything. To what purpose is this waste? To what purpose? Now, I'll tell you. I, I, I have a tendency to brag on my youngins. I do. I do. Sometimes even when you're trying me and pushing me and testing me, I still try to have faith in them. And I told somebody the other day, when I showed them that picture, I said, now that one right there has been here since she was three. And I said, and I could turn her loose in the academy and she could run the whole thing. Because she knows how to do it. To what purpose is this waste? Why are we wasting days and knowledge and abilities? Why are we wasting that? To what purpose is this waste? You don't waste it. God's called you to be a prince. God's called you to be a man among men. God's called you to be a, a princess and a woman among women. He's called you to stand out, to stand up. He's called you to say, no, that I will not run to that excess of riotous living. I will not get involved with the lust of this life. They think it's strange that you won't run to the same excess of riots. And the prodigal, he just, you know, I told somebody not too long ago, I said, they're not only going to want you to be with them, they're going to want you to be like them. They're not going to want you in skirts. They're not going to want you with no makeup and jewelry and long hair uncut. They're not going to want you to be clean shaven and, and dressing right and not doing drop trousers and all that stuff. They're not, they're not going to want you like that because, see, that's light when you do it right. And when you're doing it right, that light, the Bible said men love darkness rather than light. And that didn't mean just men males. That meant human beings. So men and women, they love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil, because they're doing it wrong, saying it wrong, thinking it wrong, looking at it wrong. They're involved with every kind of wrong thing. And here you come walking in. You know, they're filled with mud. Where was he? He was with the hogs. He was found himself compelled to eat with the hogs. Do I have to get you down on the ground tonight and get you to root around like a hog? Huh? You know? I have had, I have had church and had people take their shoes off. I had them run around the church. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we have to break down the pride. And, uh, I remember preaching for a preacher one time. I said, everybody in this congregation take your shoes off except for the pastor. He was the first one that took his shoes off and put them on top of the pulpit. Friend, I want to tell you something. You know, you got to, you got to humble down before God. And this fella was all bowed up, and his attitude got him a trip after he hung out with his crowd and ran to their riotous living and spent all that he had. And when he was all spent and all messed up, nobody wanted anything. Nobody cared. And he found himself, nobody to help him. And he was too proud to go back and say, okay, Mom, Dad, I, I blew it. I blew it. I, I'm sorry. I really did mess up here. I, I, I just want to tell you that. I want to tell you that. Well, you know what? Before the backslider can come back, the backslidden in heart, you got to get your touch from God. And, friend, he was down there with the, I don't know, Sister Mary, if the corn husks, that's where the 
enchiladas or whatever they are that has the corn husk. I don't know if that's where that recipe come from, but he was down there with the hogs and the corn husks and everything else sticking out everywhere and mud all over him. And <laughs> he's looking up, you know. And maybe that's where mud baths came from, you know, cleanses your skin or something. I don't know. Trying to get rid of the wrinkles. But friend, he looked up and he said, I'm an idiot. Oh boy, that was the first good thing we'd heard in a long time. Finally, it wasn't everybody else is wrong. It's I'm wrong. I'm an idiot. He said, man, the servants, not the princes, not the princesses, but the servants in my father's house have more than enough to eat and leftovers. Oh, leftovers sound real good right now. You know, you like them stuffed shells, but they're better the second day, let me tell you right now. And Brenda, I finally finished all your cookies, and they were better the second, the third, and the fourth, and the tenth day. Every time I went by, everything else was good. That's why those left hand boys still keep coming in my life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Had to let my belt out one notch, too. Which, in my case right now, that probably is a good thing. But uh, my healed case. But um, <clears throat> I do want to say that he came to himself, the Bible says. He came to himself. Wake up. To what purpose are you wasting your life for? Being adamant, being stubborn, being rebellious. You know, you're not showing us anything that we didn't already do ourselves, and we're trying to spare you from it. We're trying to tell you that, that we did say it wrong, and we did think it wrong, and we did do it wrong, and I wasn't always a preacher. Okay? And don't you think that I, I want to spare you every mud hole that I wallowed in? course I do want to save you every heartache and don't you know that not all the prodigals made it out of the hog pen but you have a great glimmer of hope here of this one he said I have sinned against God in heaven I'll go back I will go back well I'd like to tell you first order this don't leave Okay? Don't leave. You hear me? We don't want you to leave. We don't want you to leave. But you have to submit. You've got to realize that you have to give an account. And that I have to give an account. I have somebody over me. I've got to give an account. And the Bible teaches, of course, that he, he began to go home. Thank God he wasn't so far gone that he forgot the way home. I'd like to believe that all that good teaching is down in there somewhere, friend. And that in that moment, it just, you know, they say it's like, oh, I haven't ridden a bicycle in 45 years. Well, just get on it and start pedaling. You'll, you'll, it'll come back to you. Well, you know, just start praying. Just start calling on him. Just start, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. I, a wrong spirit got a hold of me. I was wrong. I, I have sinned against God and against heaven. I will go back. I will go back. And old pride rises up right then. You can't go back. You know he's going to say, I told you so. We're not going to do anything of the sort. Not anything of the sort. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to throw a party. We're going to have a Holy Ghost party. That's what we're going to do. We're going to be so glad. That you're back in our midst and that you've come to yourself and we'll be happy to restore you.
go through the proving ground, we'll be more than happy to see you restored and to a rightful place in the kingdom of God to be a prince, to be a princess, to be a steward, to be somebody of accountability and responsibility. And that's the God's truth. And everybody said amen. amen. Let's take a moment. Lift our hearts with our hands right where you stand. Oh, God, I thank you, Holy Father. Please hear our cry and our prayer of repentance, oh, Lord, for the waste in our lives. Please, oh, God, please hear us tonight. We call upon the name of Jesus. We acknowledge our sin our wastefulness. Oh, Lord God, we ask you to help us tonight. I'm going to ask our young people to come to the front. Would you do it? Ask God to help you to remember him in the days of your youth. I'm big, I'm strong, I'm tough. Yeah, well, use it for God. But you want to use it for the devil, the world that's going to destroy you. the world wants to take you and destroy you and smut you, all of you, use you and abuse you. Don't you know that all those idiots down there in the loading ramp want to get you, girl? You better make up your mind you're going to stay in this church. Hear me now. They got their eye on you. They want to get their filthy, dirty hands on you. You got a burden for these young people. You come and get them and pray with them tonight. Come on now. Come on now. Take effort to put the right thing in these children. Take effort. Yeah. 